Hey there, Purpose Warriors. Welcome to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. This is Dr. Burnell from drburnell.com, where we believe that every season in your life serves a greater purpose. If you're new to the podcast, here's what you need to know. We are a community of purpose warriors who believe that God's best version of ourselves is hidden on the inside of us, just waiting to be awakened as we grow in our relationship and continue to say yes to what God has called us to do in the earth. We know that God's purpose for our lives was preordained and the reason why he created us. So every other week, this podcast seeks to explore how to awaken to your purpose from a practical standpoint and become God's best version of you. And we do this by touching upon our five pillars of purpose, faith, relationship, identity, resiliency, and stewardship. If you want to know more about our five pillars of purpose, head over to my website at www.drvernell.com backslash podcast. So before we dive in, I need to share with you that this podcast is being brought to you by my new book, From Pain to Purpose, where I share actionable steps, biblical principles, and life lessons on how I discovered my purpose after a painful and unexpected divorce and was left to raise two children with more than a million dollars of debt, zero access, and a negative network. My book is available on my website, again, at www.drbrunel.com, also on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or wherever books are sold. So if you want to learn more about how to release limiting beliefs, overcome financial difficulties, experience radical breakthroughs, and step courageously into your purpose, then grab your copy today. And remember that God can use whatever unfair or unjust act, any rejection or hurtful experience, and transform your pain into your purpose. So let's jump right in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. I have a very special guest all the way from Africa, Chulu Chansa. She is the culture auditor. Chulu is a writer of modern African culture and lifestyle, the host of Africana Woman podcast, a transformational speaker and mentor. She currently resides in Zambia and is the proud mother of a teenage boy and is at peace. Chula is on a mission to ensure African women can create generational wealth from a place of holistic health, i.e. mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. Welcome, welcome, and welcome to the Awaken to Purpose podcast, Chula. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm just really, really honored that you thought of me to come and share my story on your platform Absolutely. So like I said to you before we even started recording, I knew that I was going to reach out to you at some point in time. I try to stay in prayer about it. Like I wait for God to give me a knowing before I reach out. And when I heard you again on Marsha Ann's Real Talk, I was like, Lord, it's her. Like I'm going to reach out to her. So like I said, I wrote your name down. I'm so excited to have you here. I would love, love, love for you to kind of like jump into your story and then kind of like make that transition for us and tell us like where you are today. Okay. Mm-hmm. All righty. So I was thinking about how my story is not particularly a unique one. It's just that I tell it in its entirety. I think a lot of times when people think of their stories, even in their minds, or just tell their stories to anybody, they cut out sections. They cut out the parts that are painful 
They cut out the parts that they have a lot of shame around. They cut out the parts which they don't necessarily like. And that's not the case for me. I usually do tell it all. (laughs) So, yeah. So I come from a country which is called Zambia. It's in Southern Africa. Absolutely beautiful. If you ever have the chance, please do visit it. The people are so friendly and there's so much to do. And I wouldn't say that we were poor, but at the same time, we weren't wealthy. I grew up with my mom. My father did not support us. They divorced when I was quite young. They separated when I was zero, (laughs) not even one years old. So I didn't grow up with a father figure at all. And I think as a child and a teenager, there was a lot of anger around that and just this the feeling of abandonment and not being worthy of being loved why did this man have six other children that he was looking after but then he wasn't looking after me not supporting me but i mean i think even at the time that was just an assumption of how he was caring for the others but you tell yourself a lot of stories as a child And I think it really did affect me in interpersonal relationships. When it came to academics, I was very smart, usually top of the class in the top three. And that wasn't an issue for me. And fortunately, I did manage to win some scholarships. So I went and studied in the UK for two years. And then I studied in the US for my bachelor's degree, again, on a scholarship. Like I said, for academics wasn't a problem, but you know, it was that personal side, which was just tumultuous. And I remember being that angry child. I would always be in arguments. I would always be in fights. There would always be a strife and beef between me and, I don't know, two or three people in the class. Like, But there was just never peace and harmony. And it was just a difficult time. So when I did go to university, in my senior year, I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was devastated because in the cultural context of my country, which is a a Christian nation, it's actually in the constitution that we're a Christian country. So there is so much importance and value placed on being in that married union. And then that's where you have your children and all of that. So people who have children out of wedlock it's just not a great time. (laughs) You can be ostracized from the family. You find situations where parents just disown you. You know, they don't talk to you and they just kick you out, that type of situation. So it can get extreme. That didn't happen to me. But knowing the type of culture that I do come from, I was very, very ashamed, very, very disappointed in myself. And it was very hard to accept and move on. I even remember that I wanted to take the route of adoption. And my mom was just like, no, we're not doing that. So, you know, eventually I was coached out of that. So, I mean, eventually I did end up back in Zambia as a single mother with no job. And that in itself was just so crazy. I often say that it felt like a child raising a child. At the time, I could have been 23, but like I said, 
I may have been intellectually capable, but on an emotional level, there was still a lot that needed to grow. And to think that I had to raise a child, (laughs) that was so scary. And then also raise a child in sort of a, a hostile situation. I think in a sense, I sort of acted out and I got kicked out of my mother's house with the child, still no job. And I remember, like I mentioned, my father had other children. So they're my step or my half siblings, right? Brothers and sisters. And I remember calling one of them and saying, listen, I've just been kicked out of the house. I need some help. Could you please help me? Can we come and stay at your place or whatever? And then he told me, oh, just pray about it. And I'm like, pray about it? That's not going to help the situation right now. I'm saying that I'm on the street and you're saying that, oh, just pray about it. It shall be well. No. (laughs) Anyway, what ended up happening was I went and squatted with some friends for some time and I got kicked out of there as well. And Mm. it's just a mess. It was a mess. Eventually, after I think I returned to Zambia in 2009, and the first job that I got was in 2011, mm-hmm. roundabout. So, you know, it took a while. And even to get that job, it was through my cousin's friend. So, my cousin had to do that introduction for me. I had been living abroad, I had no connections, no networks. When I came back, I found my friends had moved on. They had new circles. They had established those types of business connections and things like that. But I was just starting from scratch. So in as much as I had this degree, the first job that I had was as a receptionist. And you can imagine the blow to my ego as well to think that, oh my goodness, I'm watching all my peers like in other countries or wherever my peers are. They seem to be excelling, but here I am failing to get a job. And then the first job I get is a receptionist. So my self-esteem was just in the pits. Did it make you feel more angry? Like you described how you were already angry. And then Mm. you kind of like go into a season of comparison. You're comparing where you are versus where your peers are. And then, yes, it Mm. definitely is a blow to your ego and to your self-esteem. But did it make you feel more angry? I think on the anger part, not so much. I remember sometime, I think probably around 11th grade, we have exams. Our students have exams in grade seven, grade nine, and grade 12. Those are like big, major national exams. And the exam in grade nine was fueled by anger because I wanted to prove to my father that I am smart and I can do it. You know what I mean? Like that's what was driving me to do that. And then when I was coming up to the exams for grade 12, I was thinking about it and I said, it doesn't make sense to hold on to all of this anger. It doesn't make sense to be driven by anger, but when someone clearly does not care about you, you know what I mean? And it was in that moment that I decided to let that go. I let that anger go. It took some time, but I remember in that moment when I said, I cannot keep living like this. I have to do something about it, right? That first job that I had, the receptionist, and then I would also coordinate company events. 
So I remember we had a company party. I can't even remember what we were celebrating. And, you know, everybody was hype and happy, quite jolly. And after the fact, I went to another place to go and, I guess, continue the party with one of my colleagues. And basically, I found myself in a situation where I was alone at night on the streets. Basically, I was trying to find a way to find shelter because I didn't live in the capital city. So I needed to find a hotel or something, somewhere to stay, basically. So I had kind of abandoned the person I had gone out with, and I was just going to go look for a taxi and then go find a hotel. So en route to go find the taxi, I was accosted by two, three, actually. There were three men that accosted me, and then they robbed me. And this is 2 a.m. in the night, guys. So they got my bag, you know, they got everything. My bag had money, it had phones, it had a lot. They just took it. And I was so confused. I was drunk as well. And I was just kind of staggering around. And then I happened on two other men. And then they decided to take advantage of the situation. And then they raped me. So they beat me. They held a knife to my neck. I remember lying there. It's literally in the street. They literally just threw me down in the street. And I was lying there and I was looking up at the sky. I've got this knife pressed against my neck. And I said, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this night. If I'm going to make it, then God, you're the only one that can get me through this. Because I can't do this by my own power. Like, And I just held on to that. And I remember looking to the side and the three men that had taken my bag they were walking back. They had emptied the bag. Mm. They saw what these men were doing to me. And they came and dropped the bag, the empty bag, and walked away. And I just thought, how can people do that? Like, how can they not even help me in any way? Anyway, so these two gentlemen finished with their violent act and then decided to run away lest they get caught and I had to find my way back to my colleague who I had abandoned. To make the story short, I was broken in that moment. I'm a naturally quiet person, like I'm an introvert, right? But I think my family seeing me retreat even more into my mind Mm. just also broke their heart you know Mm -hmm. and we have a, a culture that doesn't necessarily believe in therapy in getting professional help and things like that like I said we're a Christian nation so we're gonna pray about it that type of thing and I remember they drove me to another province so that would be like another state to go and get prayed on by a particular priest who was known for his prayers around healing. And I went in there. I went in alone to see him. And he asked me what the problem was. And I explained to him. And all he said to me was, you need to get therapy. And I thought, okay. And he prayed and we left. But I must say that I really do appreciate that a man of the cloth had the insight to do that because I don't think many do mm-hmm. to say you need to go and get therapy because the therapy is what saved my life. 
I don't know where I would be had I not gone for therapy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the therapy that I did made me be able to function because I wasn't able to come outside. I wouldn't move about in the night, but it got me to a point where I could function basically like a normal person, I guess. And we dealt with the trauma, but the reality was there was so much more that had happened from my past that hadn't been dealt with. All of the shame, all of the feelings of abandonment, all of that. And it was just building like a mountain. So yes, the trauma was dealt with, but all of that was still growing and growing and growing. And eventually I decided to leave the company I was working for. I left the state, (laughs) the province, and I went to find a job in another town. And I threw myself into work because that's where I found stability. That's where I found a feeling of control. Yeah. So I began to rise in ranks and all of that. I was an office manager and then I was a hotel manager and I would literally work myself to the bone, like to the ground. (laughs) And I basically had two lapses where my body just could not function anymore. And I burnt out, I burnt out twice. And after I burnt out twice, I decided, okay, let me just take a break. Let me not do anything, not work. And I think I got to probably like the second month and people are just looking at me like, oh, you're not working anymore? Like, what is this? Because <laughs> they're so used to me working. And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm perfectly fine. But anyway, so the, I was eventually talked back into working. I got a consultancy first and then I got another full-time position. Now, the position that I got, it's kind of one of, I don't know if you have something similar in the sense that there's some jobs that people feel are for a lifetime. Like when you get it, like you sit, you know, you can just put your feet up and it's like, oh, you're good. Like you've arrived, like everything is going to be fine. That type of situation. And I found myself in that kind of job. Mm -hmm. And on the outside, I was looking, okay, I've got a good job. I've got the house. I've got the car. On the outside, it was looking okay. But on the inside, it was an absolute mess, Mm. an absolute mess. I was not feeling fulfilled in the work that I was doing because I kept thinking to myself, if this is all it is, like if this is what I'm just going to be doing for the rest of my life, this doesn't make sense. Like, how do people function like this? And I would try to have conversations with different people, whether it be my colleagues, my family, whoever, but it was like, you've arrived. You're okay. What you want about? (laughs) Right. So it was one of those things, like it'll come up once in a while. Like it'll be this year. I think about it. I talk about it. I get people talk to me and say, no, just forget about it. And then I forget about it for about a year or two. And then it comes back up again in my mind. And then I forget about it. And, you know, it was just going on like that until I got to a point where I was depressed. And the depression now manifested physically because I think a lot of times people don't necessarily make that connection between your three bodies, your spiritual body, your physical body, and your mind. If one of them is being ignored and is not being listened to, it's going to activate the others to speak and shout for it. 
that's what happened. So my soul was not fulfilled and it manifested in my body. And I would literally have anxiety attacks, like just in the middle of nowhere. I'd be in a parking lot and I just burst out crying, like hysterically. And I cannot move my car because if I move my car, I will get in an accident. Like I just did not have the faculties to be able to do anything but cry. I found myself in bed for three days, just lying there, crying, not eating, not bathing, not doing anything. And I got to the end of those three days and I said to myself, enough is enough, right? Mm-hmm. I cannot continue to live this way. I have to do something. And I remember in that moment, I was prompted to check my podcast, right? And I'll tell you what, I wasn't big into podcasting. I didn't know what this whole podcasting thing was. My sister had introduced it to me and she had some millennial shows that she used to listen to that I tried and it was just so loud. I thought, eh, no, it's not for me. So anyway, that particular day, I said, okay, let me try and find a podcast. Let me try and listen to something. And I got my phone. I did a search and I came upon Patrice Washington's Redefining Wealth. And I started from the very beginning. And at the very beginning, she lays out, yeah, at the very beginning, she lays out her five pillars, right? And one of the pillars is about space. And she was talking about how your physical space, it's a physical representation and manifestation of what's going on in your mind, Mm -hmm. right? And I looked around after being in bed for three days, And I was listening to that. And when that episode finished, I got out of my bed and I started to clean up. And it was from that moment, I started following the pillars and transformation began to roll out. So one of the things, well, there's two things that I always say that helped me in that season. One was therapy. So I went back to therapy. But this time the therapy was... Let's talk about everything, not just one thing. (laughs) I go to different people now. I'm just like, okay, this one's for like family counseling. This one is for (laughs) all these different things. So I'm all about therapy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then the second thing is community. I joined Dries Washington's Mastery and Momentum and then also P2P, Purpose to Platform. And let me tell you, the community of women is just so empowering, so life-changing. The coaches are phenomenal. Like how much they helped me to work through my limiting beliefs, to work through all the things that were blocking me. Just the community, let me tell you, they would not let me settle in mediocrity. Or hide. Or hide. (laughs) Or hide, right? I remember I said, someone has asked me to do sort of like a TEDx talk type situation. I was like, "Eh, I'm not really sure if I want to do it. I was just saying it in passing, like I was just talking, right? (laughs) Like it was just a conversation. And Trina from Mastery and Momentum is like, hello, you are going to email them right now and you will give them your topic 
right now. And when you are done, you will let me know. I was like, okay, yes, ma'am. Let me do that. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. And the talk that I did was actually called African Women, The Power of African Women, Past, Present and Future. And that was really the birth of Africana Woman and the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine just that prompting, that push, like, why are you hiding? Yes, you are going to do it. <laughs> so, I, so first of all, I love everything that you've been sharing. And I would have to agree too, as your P2P sister, I talked about how I went into P2P really hiding. I had so many limiting beliefs about myself. And I think when you've gone through life and you feel like you've been beat up in some type of way and you are so incredibly broken to have a community and a sisterhood of women who are really there mm -hmm. to lift you up, to encourage you and say, absolutely, you can do this. And guess what? You can do a lot more. I think it's so mm -hmm. empowering. I'm so thankful for Patrice to even have that community of women. It has been beyond a blessing for me. To the point where I feel like, yes, I can do this, this, and that. And so, like, I love to even hear that. So, okay, you did your TEDx talk. Okay, now you have your mm -hmm. ministry. I'm just going to call it your ministry. So, tell us a little bit more yes. about the work that you've been doing and the impact that you've been having. Mm. In 2020, I had a business, a cake business with my mom a wedding cake business. And we started like in 2015. So she left the country around 2019. Mm -hmm. And for a year, I run it for myself. But the fact was, I knew that the season for that business had ended, right? Okay. This was a very successful business. I remember in 2019, I was nominated as one of the best wedding cake designers in Zambia. So, you know, when you have something that works, something that is bringing in money, that is generating revenue, and is familiar, basically. But you are prompted and told that you need to go in a different direction. It's very, very hard. It's hard to move on and to let go. And I can tell you that had COVID not happened, I probably would not have let go of that business. Wow. I probably would still be doing that and not walking in my purpose. And for me, I know a lot of people, they've had very negative effects from COVID, but I'm actually thankful for COVID because it pushed me. It pushed me to say, let it go. It was the time to let it go. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And then I said, okay, now I'm kind of just out here in... <laughs> uncharted waters. Like, what am I going to do? Now I love to write and I would love to write a book eventually. So again, the community said to me, listen, we've seen your writing. Cause I'm that type of person who's going to write like a whole book, <laughs> you know, in the chats and stuff. <laughs> right? Like it's a whole blog, like, come on. So they're just like, no, Chibu, like you need to write. So that's when I started the blog, which is the Africana woman blog. And eventually, again, from the challenge from the program was you need to show up, right? So show up live on your platforms and all of that. So I was having these phenomenal conversations with African women from across the world on my Instagram channel. And I thought, these are amazing conversations, but they're stuck on my Instagram. I would love for them to have more access and visibility across the world. So that's when I decided to convert the interviews that I had 
into a podcast. And then that's how the Africana Woman with Chulu podcast was born. And I think one of the things that really inspired me about the community is the authentic and genuine way the women want to support each other. And I think a lot of women have been burnt, have been hurt when they, they've tried to join women's groups, women's communities, and things like that. And they shy away from it. But I think what I saw is I wanted to teach women how to really show up for each other. I wanted to teach them that there are women who will be there for you authentically, who will celebrate you and not go and talk about you behind your back. They're not going to sabotage you or steal your idea, but then they're going to gas you up. They'll give you more ideas. And that's something that I really, really wanted to emulate in the women around me. Now, like I said, I'm from Zambia, right? So I'm from Africa and I, to get help, the community that I had to find was in the States. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, you know, not everybody's going to be able to do that. I was very, very privileged to have the capacity to do it. And I can tell you, like, the calls would be, I think, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I would be on every single call at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. in the morning. You know what I mean? But not everybody's going to do that. Like I said, enough was enough. I was on the cliff, right? It was either I fall over or I find a way to step back. So I was that desperate to do that. But I don't think everybody will do that. Not everybody has the resources. So I wanted to be able to say, okay, let me create something for African women Mm-hmm. that they have easy access to and they begin to trust in other women. Mm-hmm. And that's really where the community was born. So it's the Africana Woman Visionaries. And it started in December 2020. We are literally just going through different iterations and, you know, kind of just listening to the ladies. What are the things that they want? How do they want it to evolve? So it's growing in different ways than I expected. When you put out these plans, you're kind of like, oh, this is my idea. Then when you actually start the doing, (laughs) you're kind of like, oh, okay, that's what you want. Okay, (laughs) we're going that way. Right. I, you know, part of what I was thinking when you were speaking and you were talking about at some point, I'm going to write a book is what you said. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking, you already written a book, right? So if you did a collection (laughs) of all of your blog posts, that's essentially your book. Your podcast, Mm -hmm. right? Your interviews from your podcast, you do a transcription, you can take some of those stories and then kind of the thing that you're doing. That is your book, right? So at this point, you just have to gather all of the data that you've already collected over time and then just kind of like chart mm. out what your chapters are going to be. Like you've already done the work. You just now have to put it together. So that was kind of like what I was thinking. And I love kind of like this segue, this transition that you've made because you talk about kind of going through life, feeling unfulfilled, right? And then I can see like there's a part of you that seems so alive when you talk about the work that you're doing. So I'm going to assume that there are higher levels of satisfaction and fulfillment in what you believe God has called you to do, the pivot that you made, like, right, the talent of, okay, I can 
create and bake a cake, but I can still create in my writing. I can still create in the podcast. You're taking that same skill and talent in some way, and you're creating this new vision for yourself program for other women. I love everything that you've talked about. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of curious, kind of like in your mind, what are kind of like some key life lessons that you learn about awaking to God's purpose for your life? Let's see. I think I was very, very fortunate from very young that I understood that no matter what man did to me, God was not a liar and he was always faithful. And a lot has happened to me that hurt me very, very deeply. But I always leaned into God and I always understood that he was there in everything. So I think one of the things that I came to understand in, I think, 2019, just after that breakdown, was so really understanding that he speaks back, right? So we're used to speaking to God. So whether it's in prayer or, you know, you're singing or whatever it is, you know, you're petitioning, all of these things, but we don't take time to actually listen and hear him speak back to us, right? And one of the things that I know that in my Christian journey that was very, very lacking and not developed was my relationship with the spirit. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like the churches will concentrate on, oh, Jesus and God, but okay, help me have that relationship with the spirit because yeah. Jesus left the spirit here. He said that I am sending someone who is going to be there to guide you. You understand? But if we have not been taught how to hear the spirit and hear his promptings, hear him when he knows better, because obviously he's got a a wider vision and view of what's happening in your life, right? But you're not even trying to discern the spirit's voice. So I really had to take time to understand what that means to hear the spirit. So I think those two things of just really understanding that God is always there for me and he's not a liar. He's not man that he would lie. He is in everything that I do. And he cares about everything, whether I'm brushing my teeth, combing my hair, he cares about everything. And then also just really building that relationship with the spirit. And I think just getting still and hearing his voice. And when I hear his voice, it's when... I'm calm about whatever that decision is. Because I think a lot of times people want to hear that auditory voice or whatever. (laughs) But, you know, different thoughts may come in your mind. And if that thought does not give me peace, then that's probably not what I'm going to do. That's probably not sent by the spirit. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I have these vivid moments when in my relationship with God where I've heard his voice. And I remember Mm. even hearing his voice before before I even had the relationship that I have with him today. And I didn't Mm. know that was him. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is so like, first of all, it's not sometimes, but it's so important to know what his voice sounds like, to know who he is. You have to quiet yourself in order to do that. You have to remove all this distraction. And I remember when I first vividly heard God's voice, I thought it was the devil. Mm. Why did I think it was the devil? Because the voice was saying something opposite of what I wanted. 
And so mm. we use what we want. <laughs> right. All that crazy God. I know that's the devil because I didn't know that that was God's voice. So it's really important to like really have that connection and that relationship. So I love what you just shared. So what advice would you offer listeners on awakening to God's purpose for their lives? Because not everybody will understand or know his voice. Mm. I think it's important to expose yourself to different teachings. But at the same time, I cannot express enough to be able to trust yourself because the word says that you must test the spirit, right? And there's so many people out there that are, oh, I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher, da, da, da. But listen, if you're listening to somebody, you need to test the spirit. Don't let anybody just start laying hands on you. Don't let anybody just be preaching whatever they want and that's getting in your spirit. No, 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 no. You need to test the spirit. If that spirit is not working for you, you listen you will know like you need <laughs> i know a lot of times it sounds i guess i don't know if it's arbitrary or sort of woo woo when someone says like you will know but you will know you will know that this person is not the person that i should be consuming content from I think for me, one of the things that I really did try to do is also because, you know, traditionally in Africa or in Zambia, the Christianity is taught by men. So to be able to be led by a woman, it's sort of kind of far-fetched for a lot of people, you understand, because that's not what they're used to. So then I had to now try and force myself to say, let me try and listen to female preachers. And what does that mean? What is it that I'm getting from the messages? And I think it's been so enriching to be able to listen to diverse voices. And at the same time, I am very, very sensitive about making sure that I don't just consume, but I make sure that I'm going to check what they're saying against the word. A lot of times you have some preachers that don't even say one Bible verse, not even one, <laughs> but they're up on that stage Sunday, like doing a whole sermon. And I'm like, huh? No, 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 no. Already that's a problem. You understand? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It needs to be grounded in the word. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, no, you cannot go up there and just be telling us about your life stories. And no, 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 no. That's not the word. We also get biblical cliches from, right? So, you know, and I'm like, that's not in scripture. (laughs) At all. But you also have to just go and read the word. You have to read it for yourself. A lot of times we depend on the God of our grandparents, the God of our parents, and we don't necessarily know God for ourselves. You need to go to the word yourself. You need to read it yourself. You cannot, you cannot rely on secondhand information. And even if you start a little bit, listen, it's okay. I heard a preacher say that sometimes we feel like when we read something, we forget it easily. But what really happens is that it will come up when you need it. You remember it when you need it. So you may have read something in January and you know what, at that time, it seems like it just didn't make sense. You didn't even know why you had read that. But then a situation happens in September and you remember, oh, there was a scripture that was telling me about how to deal with this sort of thing. Or there was a story in there that was similar. And you go back to it and you find that that's exactly what you needed. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. Ground yourself in the word because the word will talk back to you. It will empower you in ways that will surprise you. Yeah. yeah, I know. I just, I remember when I was going through a certain season and 
I didn't have a strong relationship with God and I wanted other people to pray for me because I was like, well, he listens to you. <laughs> it's like you speak, right? to you. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to pray for me and pray over me. So yes, yeah. I love like everything that you are sharing. So for you, Chulu, what does it mean to become God's best version of you? Mm. You know what? The thing is, God knows everything about me. And a lot of times we just want to present parts of us, right? (laughs) But he knows it already. He knows when you made that bad decision. He knows when I had doubts, I had fears. He even knows when I would say that, listen, I don't know if I believe in God. Right. And he's okay with it. Yes. And a lot of times we get scared and think that just because we have doubts and fears, even doubts about God, that he can't handle it. God can handle anything. He created the whole world, the whole universe. (laughs) What's a little fear going to do? Like if you go tell him and you know, you're angry and you go and shout at him, like, how could you take this person away from me? I pray to you and you still let that person die. I'm angry with you. It's okay. He's going to sit with you in that moment. You understand? I think a lot of times what I really had to understand is that God, he sees me in my entirety. He is the only being that accepts me unconditionally, Mm -hmm. right? I don't have to pretend to be something else. I don't have to pretend to look a certain way or to have certain achievements. Like he already knows every single bit about me. So when I go to God, I'm having like a real conversation like this, the way we're talking. Cause I think people think that, oh, you have to be all thou at this, that type situation, but you don't. I just have this real conversation with God. And I say, listen, God, yesterday was really hard. I can't believe that this and this happened. Like I was mad. (laughs) And I think for me, that was something that I really had to learn and grow into to say that to be the best version of myself is to understand that this is someone that loves me unconditionally, that knows me, knows every little detail about me. And guess what? He's okay. I may not be okay with some parts of me, but he's okay with it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And amen. What is the one thing that you know about God that you wish the whole world knew? Mm -hmm. I wish the world knew that God's forgiveness extends to everyone. Okay. It's a very difficult concept for a lot of people to accept. People have done bad things in the world and they pay for it. They go to jail or whatever, you know, they go to prison and all of that. But people don't have the space for forgiveness after that. If the person has repented, God has forgiven them. Like his forgiveness is for everybody. And it's a very hard concept to wrap our minds around Mm because when he says that if somebody comes to you seven times then you should forgive them every time they come to you but there are parts of our hearts and our minds that just cannot fathom forgiving certain people but to truly emulate and aspire to live as christ did we really need to work on the forgiveness part and i know it's hard And this is coming from somebody who's been raped. This is coming from somebody whose family has repeatedly abandoned her. And I remember I had a spiritual teacher, a pastor who told me, I was telling him, what do I need to do? I want to change my life. And he just said, forgive. And I said, what? Forgive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, forgive who? They did what? Are you kidding me? (laughs) And he said, forgive. So every single day I have to 
wake up and be intentional to forgive, to forgive the people that saw me being raped and walked by, to forgive the people that raped me, to forgive the medical practitioners that just acted in negligence, to forgive the police for not getting me justice, to forgive people that have wronged me in a certain way, but most importantly, to forgive myself because I have also done a lot of wrong. And a lot of times the wrong that we have done is very hard to get past. And we try to punish ourselves because of it. You need to get to a place where you can forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for the mistakes you made. Forgive yourself for the decisions that you now know were wrong and you know better and you wouldn't do again. But don't hold yourself in a prison because of that. Don't hold back because you haven't forgiven yourself. And a lot of times the prison, we look at people who are in actual prisons and think that, oh my God, they're suffering. But the reality is that there are much more people on the outside who have imprisoned themselves in their minds because they cannot forgive themselves. So aspire to forgive as God does. Jesus, first of all, that was so good. We have what I love to call these invisible prisons in our minds. Like we shackle ourselves to a certain way of thinking. And when the Bible talks about God's ways are not our ways, and I think we do forget how forgiving God is when you have a repentant heart. And the whole idea of forgiveness is really to release you so that you don't live a life of anger and bitterness Mm. and hostility. God, you look so good. It was so good. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I have done the gym for this screen. It was so good. As you know, kind of I wrap up. I want people to know where they can find you. If they want to be a part of this incredible movement, a part of your community, they want to follow your blog. Where can people find you? Thank you. I am very easy to find. So the Africana Woman World is literally housed at AfricanaWoman.com. So AfricanaWoman.com. You will find the blog, you'll find the podcast, you will find the community. So just go on there. And then personally, my playground is Instagram. So come on over. My handle is Chulu at Chulu by Design. So C-H-U-L-U, but I'm sure Venal is going to have like the links in the show notes. So Chulu by Design, I always respond. People get surprised. They're like, oh, you, I sent you a message and you responded. I'm like, yes, I did. Of course I did. Yeah. So you can find me in those two places. The podcast, you can find it, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast. So it's Africana Woman with Chulu. And yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that information with us. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible story. I was trying to fight back the tears as you were sharing. And I was like, don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. (laughs) And I just pray that so many people will be blessed by not only the story that you share, but the work that you're doing, the work that God has created and called you to do. And so please, 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 please follow her. Such a dynamic speaker. She shared this amazing story. And I know for a fact, she left some pieces out of her story. (laughs) So if you you will catch so much more of her amazing story. And again, I just want to thank you. I feel honored. I feel blessed to have you on my podcast today. And I am wishing you all the amazing things that God has in store for you. So thank you again, Chulu. (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you. This has been an absolute honor. This week, really, the conversations, the interviews that I've had, it's really been a case of the spirit has been moving. And I think a lot of times we think that, oh, this is coming from the person. But no, when we open our hearts up and allow the spirit to speak through us, there is so much power in the words that he's trying to get to you. So I know there's a word in there for somebody out there in everything that I've talked about. And I've just really felt really blessed this week to just feel the spirit in the midst of all the conversations that I've had. And today was no different. It's been such a blessing. I came in, I was tired and I said, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but spirit showed up, spirit showed up. (laughs) So thank you for the offer. Absolutely. And I look forward to us reconnecting down the road again. Have a beautiful night because that's what it is this night for you. Whereas this morning, <laughs> yes. uh, for me, so thank you again so much. <laughs> Beyond my book, if you're interested in learning more about how to become God's best version of yourself by awakening to your purpose, consider enrolling in my online course, which you'll find on my website again, which is www.drvernell.com because God's love for you. And the reason why he created you is greater than you will ever know. And guess what? He wants you to succeed in carrying out your purpose.